you guys are in for a treat today. I recently had the the pleasure, the honor of sitting down with Courtney Seard and talking with her about her latest project, which I'm so excited to share with you. But we talk about so much more than that and success strategies, high performance, time management, so much great stuff came out of this interview that I can't wait to share it with you. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Courtney Seard. Courtney is passionate about developing company culture, engaging teams, coaching leaders, and transforming people-related systems. Courtney has gained global experience and broad leadership expertise, working with organizations and leaders to take ownership, clarify and enhance their team experience, and create a clear path forward while delivering measurable results. Throughout her 15 plus years working with startups and Fortune 500 companies, using the most innovative mind sciences and entrepreneurial strategies available today, the outcomes in her training and coaching methods are reflected in her clients and their track record of success. With her niche being late series A, early series B startup and entrepreneurs who understand the importance and impact of company culture and are consciously committed and focused on developing and improving company culture, outcomes, and health. Courtney works with companies such as GE, Snap Inc., Mercedes-Benz Financial, AT&T, Dow Chemical, the United State of Women, Galvanize Leadership Program, and is a speaker represented by Live Nation's SME division. I am so excited to share this with you guys today, and I hope you enjoy it. Actually, I know you are going to enjoy this just as much as I enjoyed sitting down with Courtney. You're listening to The Empowered Life with Master Coach and Trainer of NLP, Terry Holland. Breakthrough to the life you deserve. Hi, Courtney. Thanks for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you on the show and to chat with you about what you've been doing and what you've been up to lately. So welcome. Thank you. Hi, Terry. It is nice to be on your program today. I really appreciate you having me. It is nice to be here. Thanks. Thanks. So let's just jump in. Uh, for my audience who's listening, can you tell us a bit about your background and your business? Yes. My name is Courtney Seard, and I am a performance coach and trainer. And my business is I generally work with, I would say, entrepreneurs and more corporate C-suite executives. I work with them on a myriad of leadership and communication issues. And I obviously, being a trainer of neuro-linguistic programming, a timeline therapy, as well as hypnosis, I use a lot of those techniques. And um, after about five or six years of coaching in this professional setting, and continuing to give uh, tasks and exercises to small and large groups, as well as my individual clients, I decided to kind of put everything together and create a planner, which is the RISE Vision Action Planner, which uh, puts together prompted journaling. It puts together um, a nice 90-day uh, action plan that allows you to dig a little bit deeper and uh, find out why these goals are important to you and then figure out what you need to do. And then a planner, which is a monthly, weekly calendar planner. There is a, a weekly habit tracker, self-care tracker, all of those things. So yes. That's awesome. Thank you. So for someone like me, because I love having a paper planner 
And I know for me, if, if it's not on paper, it's not in my head. I can't, I can't conceptualize my week unless I see it in front of me and it has to be written by me. So I have looked at so many planners and I've gone through multiple planners and I haven't found the one that works with my head. <laughs> it works the way I think. So I'm really excited about your planner. And can you tell us sort of what differentiates it? So for people who are looking for that planner, what makes this one different? To be realistic, exactly what you said was what I was out there. I was recommending planners to clients. I was buying them myself and I ended up having like a journal. I realized that for me, it was really easy to come up with questions, but then on some days I didn't know what I wanted to write. And I, I had to organize it in such a way where people who were on the go could dive in, they could get their mindset in a way that was healthy as well as organize themselves. So it works in that aspect that it's almost, it's a three in one planner. So in the beginning of the planner, um, they do change their 12 different prompts and they are created in such a way to help your unconscious mind. It triggers what I would say your goal getter, which is your unconscious mind because our conscious mind, we set our goals. However, if we don't have that conscious, unconscious congruency, we don't necessarily get it. And the funny thing is, is handwriting traps into our reticular activating system, which is that unconscious goal getter. And science has proven from multiple studies from Harvard to Leeds that you are 50% more apt to get your goals if you write them down. So I wanted to allow people to work on creating their mindset, create strong mental thinking, as well as a place where they could write down their goals. And why did I create the action plan is because I realized with myself and other people, you say you want something and then you get overwhelmed <laughs> as to how you're going to do it. And the success that I found for myself to overcome some of my hardest behaviors to break, as well as with my clients, was breaking things down into I call them micro goals. So I did a 90-day view where you can take one of the six areas of life and break down how you're going to improve in that area. And that's really all you're kind of going to focus on. You're going to do all of the other things in your life, but if I'm going to improve my health and fitness and I want to focus on sleep, you're going to spend the next three months really just focused on improving your sleep. And then you can build, or you can spend the next three months, again, working on sleep. It's up to you. So that was why the planner would be fast because one, it works the way the brain works. Um, it is... It has been created because of my clients and of coaching and seeing the missteps of some of the great planners that are out there. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it just makes sense. It works. Awesome. That sounds really cool. And it's, yeah, like you said, I have journals, I have notebooks all over the place. And so I want one place where I can sort of organize all my thoughts and my day. And that's what it sounds like the Rise Planner is. It's, and also for completion purpose. I think that um, when you have a lot of journals, you have a lot of thoughts spinning and you're not completing things. And that can actually, if you really look at, look at your life, I'm almost certain that it can show. I noticed that when I completed it and I kept it an entire year and I did it two years in a row, there was a sense of reverence around my planner. Uh, I travel a lot for work. And so do a lot of my clients. And one of the things was, it's like, oh, I can't have this and this and this. It's just, it's easy. It's six by nine. You can throw it in your bag. You can travel with it. You whip it out. You have your day-to-day -day planner. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my clients initially, because they're in tech, they're like, well, what about Asana? What about my Google Calendar? You're going to have that. You're going to use it. And the things that are important to you in your life and in your day, 
you should be writing them down. You're going to notice that you have a more of an internal drive and the things that you write down won't be popping into your head a lot. Right. Yeah. Right. Very cool. So how about, I don't know, can you talk a little bit about productivity and how a planner like this is going to help someone be more productive and maybe give us a couple tips for increasing our productivity? Yes. The great thing about this planner and why it helps you become productive is, is that I'm realistic. A lot of planners you get, they give you tons and tons of time and tons of space and people just put tons of to-dos in. One, I changed the linguistics. It's not a to-do section, it's to accomplish. Nice. And there are about five big things that week or five, I would say my five big keys that I want to accomplish that week in that you can put little things or tasks that you need to go do to that big thing. It helps in that productivity because it breaks it down for you and it allows you to get simple. So instead of you saying, oh, I'm going to go mail this today, the reality is there's more involved than just going and mailing something. More than likely, you have to go take it out, pack it up, then mail it. Once you kind of put the things down that you need to do, you allow yourself to batch. Also, it allows you to time manage because if you're time blocking and you're writing things down, you begin to understand how effective am I. So a good tip that I use for a lot of my clients is I'm big on the 90 minute. I think you'll see 90 is a big reoccurring theme. I will set aside a project. I only work on one thing. So focus is key. If you're working on five or six things in a 90 minutes, you're not going to get anything done. You're going to get a little progress in five or six things. So I would say, figure out what you want to do. Get everything in that area set, get your water, get your coffee, use the bathroom, put your phone away, mm -hmm. and put on a timer and start working for 90 minutes. And in that 90 minutes, you don't check your email. You don't do any of those things. You work on that task. When that 90 minutes is up, get up, go for a walk. If you keep that consistently and if you try it for a week, you will be amazed at the things that you get done. Then again, simplicity. Rome wasn't built in a day, and the things that you accomplish aren't going to happen in a day. Get really small and key about the things that you do. Write them down and tick them off. The art of actually looking through your list and crossing off done, what it does for your unconscious mind and what it does for your confidence, it actually begins to trick you to make you want to complete more and more tasks. Mm -hmm. So start setting yourself up to do those little things. And again, I'm a big believer in time blocking and being realistic with my time. I used to think that I was a lot more productive than I was. And um, I think you've heard of Stephen Covey from Success Magazine. He said, take a timer and time the things that you do. That's what I started doing. As I realistically started timing, how long did it take me to do my bookkeeping? How long did it take me to write my bills? How long did it take me to respond to emails? And one, I realized, hmm, the reason why I was taking me so much time is, is my interruptions. So it allowed me to realize that I was creating interruptions because what was going on unconsciously is I didn't want to do the work. <laughs> so I would create all of these little interruptions and it wasn't the, it was always the task that I didn't really want to do. So I would also say, eat the frog. You've heard that as well. That one big task or the couple of things that are going to help move your business that are going to help you accomplish whatever goal you want to do, do it first and get it out of the way. The energy that you'll get from it, you'll be like, whoa, I did it. When you look at the clock and 10 o'clock has passed 
and it's like 10 o'clock and you've done quote unquote the hardest thing. And if it's accounting and you don't like you doing your accounting or for a lot of people, it's expenses. Mm -hmm. We're coming up around taxes. It's your taxes. Uh, Do that first. And you don't have to do it all. Right. Break things down. I'll see someone, oh, I'm going to clean my house all Sunday. And you get overwhelmed and you get tired. Well, maybe on Mondays after you get out of the shower, you throw some soft scrub in the shower and you wipe it down and you do your, your bathroom on a Monday and Tuesday you work on your kitchen so that you're always doing something productive. You're completing something in that day, which increases your self-confidence. And again, it's a system. So that was a lot, but there you go. Oh, I love it. That was so helpful. And it's, it's funny you mentioned the cleaning thing because Greg and I used to clean our house on Sunday. But then we felt like, well, that's a day we could spend together. We're spending the whole day cleaning our house. And that's not fun. We'd rather go out and do stuff together. So we started setting aside 30 minutes every evening. After dinner, 30 minutes, we clean something. And then that's it. And if the rest of the house is a mess, that's fine. We did our 30 minutes. It's better than it was. And then we get our whole weekend together. We're not worried about cleaning the house when we could have quality time. So it's, Oh, I love that. It made such a big difference. And so we'll say, okay, 30 minutes what are you going to do? I'm going to do the bathroom and I'm going to do the kitchen. Okay, great. 30 minutes done. It becomes a game, right? You're like, oh my God, can I get this done in 30 minutes? And you're proud of yourself and you're like high five in your man. And I think that the, I've noticed that couples that work together like that or play together or plan together, they stay together. Yeah. Cause you're in it together, you know? So I love that you have incorporated that. Um, that just makes me super excited. Yeah. <laughs> we clean our house together. Yay. Yay. <laughs> well, also, if you think about people, what happens? People go on autopilot and they assume that this person has the role or they have to do that. But when everyone is combined in a house from young to old, you see that we, we all matter. And I think that that mindfulness, that contribution it extends when you leave outside the house. You're going to be more apt to pick up behind yourself because you know someone has to do it. Totally, totally. Yeah. We both found like we like certain tasks more than the other one. Like I strangely, I really like to clean bathrooms. I don't know why. I think it's because it's a small space. <laughs> it's, gross, right? it's the bathroom, but it's a small space. And so I know it's, I'll see a result pretty quickly. Like I can mm-hmm. see the difference. It's not a big, huge room that I'm working on. It's a little, a little piece where he likes to do dishes. I hate them. So have at her, go do the dishes. So we can sort of divvy things up that way and it helps. Now you mentioned 90. Mm-hmm. 90 minutes, 90 days. What's the magic behind 90? Or is there magic? It's, there, is, but there is magic behind 90. There is something about science that is proven. And I don't know if it's in threes or quarters, but again, there's something about that magic 90 minutes. And if you think about life, we break things up in quarters. There are four quarters and a basketball game, there are four quarters in a season in a year and in business. And again, when you think of long-term, oh my God, this entire year, Mm. you try to split things up in a year equally, you're not going to have the same consistency. If I want to make a hundred thousand dollars, I'm not going to make the same every month unless I have a job that allows me to have that. And if I break things down into quarters, I can start to look at things and gain and build momentum on them because I am a person... And science has proven it's all about compounding interest. So if you start with on your 90, you allow yourself to rest. It's the buffer system because after 90 minutes, it's a depreciating return. So you think you're doing well, but the quality of your work isn't as well. 
uh, it takes you longer, there are more mistakes. So just by breaking those things up and doing smaller, you get so much more done, you have a lot more energy and you're excited about your work. Because this is not a race, it's a marathon. And we're all, with how long we're living and with the safety nets, we're all going to be working a long time. <laughs> so figure <laughs> out ways that you can manage the work so it's not arduous and tough and difficult and it's full of ease and happiness and joy. Because you can have it all if you manage it and you measure it. Yeah. And I think this is a really timely conversation because of course mm -hmm. we're still at the beginning of the year and getting to the end of January. Yes. And we know that there's a bunch of people who have set resolutions that are now at this point have either quit or they're waffling on them or they're feeling frustrated. That's not going the way they want. So what a perfect thing to now have a tool, a new tool to introduce, right? For those yeah. So for people who are maybe struggling with those resolutions that they've set, what would you say to them? I would say to them is give yourself grace. Uh, start to be realistic. If you didn't work out every single day and you promised yourself to work out every single day, start investigating that. Because we as individuals are a system of conditioned reflexes and we also have neurotoxins, neurotransmitters run through every system. You can be addicted to that bad behavior and you may not know it. So you're doing things that are, you're setting big goals so that you can break promises to yourself so that it can create a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if I said I was going to run a marathon tomorrow and I honestly haven't run a 5k in six weeks, I'm not going to finish it. I'm setting myself for, for a fall and I'm going to prove to myself I can't do it. I actually might die if I try to go out, run out a marathon today. Yeah. However, if I start and say, Hey, this week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the gym one day a week for the next three weeks. And I'm going to start off and I'm going to walk for 30 minutes. And out of those 30 minutes, two of those minutes, I'm in a jog. After those three weeks, for that 30 minutes that I'm walking, three of those minutes, I'm going to jog. And each week you increase it, start slow and make yourself proud and keep going. Because the reality is, is that I don't journal every single day, even though I say I'm going to, I do it. I don't every day. I do it often enough. And when I break a promise to myself and I don't do it, do I beat myself up and say, Oh, I'm so stupid. I'm never going to do that again. I go, no, I'm going to recommit because I'm 42. I think I'm going to live at least another 50 years. I've got a long way to go. And if I'm beating myself up and if I think that, and if I, it's not comfortable on my system, not nice to be around, it's just, it's not, it's not good. So I would say recommit, get realistic. If it is, you say that you quote unquote want to lose weight, um, a tip that I'm sure you share with your listeners, unconscious mind doesn't process a negative. What's your ideal weight? How many pounds are you going to shed? How is the fat going to melt off of you? And come up with a number that's ideal for you. Be realistic. You're not going to never eat ice cream again. <laughs> Bake it in that you have, instead if you ate ice cream every night, why don't you say, I'm not going to have ice cream just one night a week. Mm -hmm. And what happens is with your unconscious mind, because it continually wants to serve you and it wants more and more and more. When you stop with one day, you'll be like, oh, I did one day. You'll be like, oh, I know I can get do, do two. Rather than it being something you have to do, it's something that you get to do. I'm a firm believer that you need to make everything in life a game. Yes. Everything. 
if you wake up every single day and you're like, because that's like the sound that comes on in my mind. Totally. It's no longer, this is happening to me or this is terrible. It's like, hmm, how can I figure out how to get this? Or, hmm, if I change this and I do this and I do that, it's all experiment. There's no failure. It's only quote unquote feedback. It's I get a new re-up every day. I get a new day of coins. And if you start looking at all of these things that games your communication, it takes the seriousness out of it and it brings in the play. Yes. Right? Like if I constantly am quote unquote have, as you were, you were kind of briefly saying triggers, or if I have all this trauma, there's no happiness in that. When I even say those words into my system, I feel heavy. Mm-hmm. I feel like, oh, I have a big problem. And it's just, I don't find it to be healthy. Yeah or the right way to move forward. Yeah. I love that. I love looking at it as a game. And I found, cause I used to have, I used to think everything had to be all or nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's, I have to go to the gym every day or I'm just not going to bother. Or I have to eat like a hundred percent clean every single day, or I'm just going to give up. And it was really when I switched my thinking to looking at those little changes and then making a game out of it of, okay, so this day I did this. Now what can I do tomorrow? And, and how do I make it even better than this? And how can it be even better? And constantly adjusting and tweaking things. And then that's where we see those lasting changes. So I do want to talk about that because you mentioned the triggered and trauma and stuff. And we were sort of talking before, uh, before we started recording about that. And there's a lot of talk, you know, especially in social media, about trauma, about people being triggered by things. and it's, you know, personally, I find it exhausting to read about. And I'd love for you to share your views on that. I think it's important. Yeah. So as someone who quote unquote grew up with trauma to give like a very brief overview, um, uh, at like three weeks old, I was abandoned. I grew up in a very abusive household. I witnessed a lot of domestic violence and I grew up in poverty and a mother that wasn't there and verbal abuse, you name it, I experienced it, sexual abuse, yada, yada, yada. And I've spent the lion's share of my adult life healing, right? Like I've done any and everything that you have mentioned. And there is a book that I love called The Subtle, um, no, it's like um, The Art of Not Caring About Other People, or I'll give you the official name later. But it talks a lot about Adlerian psychology and labels, right? If I consistently have trauma, if I'm always traumatized, like, well, how does that sound? I'm never going to heal. I'm never recovering. I'm never moving forward. If I have triggers all the time, what does that mean? Like that's my responsibility. Actually, a trigger is a sign that you're not healed. And why are we trying not to create a system where you are an egg and you need to be compartmentalized around a shell and you can't move in life? It's not only exhausting, it's not healthy. Because the one thing that I'm not seeing in any of this is solutions. Right. I'm not seeing anything as to, okay, so I have all of these things now, what's next? And another thing that I don't necessarily like is the one size fits all. Yes. Um, It is dangerous. Uh, I know personally that I have a therapist that I work with and they are a doctor, they're licensed and they're licensed in the state and they can't work with people outside and they don't disseminate information outside of um, the patient that they're speaking to. I find a lot of this broad information has to generally do with what? All of our perceptive, our perception. So it's their perception of trauma that they're bringing out that other people are buying 
or if it feels a little bit right because this person's a doctor, they have an authority figure, then they're labeling it. I've had people lately come to me saying that they are codependent, that they are, um, that they are this, they are that, they are codependent, they have trauma, they're, they have inner child wounds, they don't know how to, and I'm like, what are you talking about? First and foremost, none of us were taught how to communicate. So we all have a deficiency and lack of communication. None of us were taught how to deal with these things. Thank goodness these are coming into conversations. Yeah. But to say you have all of these terms, you, it becomes self-identifying and it, it, it's actually an excuse for people not moving forward. I mean, I have had a lot of terrible things happen to me and I used to say that I was a victim and that I was triggered and I had trauma. And then I realized that like no one is responsible for that. The word aggressive used to really trigger me. It used to upset me. And when I started working with a good coach, it brought me to realize that the word aggressive only brought out all of the insecurities that I had. And when I healed those insecurities and when a group of men would say you're aggressive and I don't know how things are in Canada, but typically we have more racial issues here and an aggressive black woman is something that is more of like a caricature. And I didn't want to be that. So people would say it and I'd bow down. Now I'm like, yes, I'm aggressive for your results. I'm aggressive for your success. I know who I am. And I do have more of a alpha quality. I'm paid to coach and push people across the finish line. Yeah. That's what I'm here to do. Um, however, all of this, uh, I call it like a tr like victim jockeying um, and excusing who you are and excusing where you are rather than, you know, pulling up your bootstraps and, and going for it. And, you know, there's a, a gentleman by the name of David Goggins, uh, can't hurt me, uh, Marine, overweight. He has a very Marine approach, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily that hardcore, but this soft line of the road of like, oh, I'm, I'm triggered by everything. And, you know, and your triggers mean this. And then you have this and you mean this, or the first time this happened, your parents didn't do this. That means that's dangerous. Uh, yes. It's very dangerous. It's very unhealthy. And, you know, putting out information to people who are seeking and assigning it. And just because you put a disclaimer saying, oh, well, this is just my point of view. Mm -hmm. That's not how it's being marketed. So I don't know if you've come across this in, in your practice oh, with people being like, I have this. And I'm like, well, where'd you read it? Off of the Instagram meme? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my question is always, so when does the, like, when does that end? Right? So people, I see people posting about trauma and you, you have to do the work, you have to do the work. And my question is always, well, what is the work? And when is the work done? Like, when are you healed? When is it okay to be healed? Right. And like, you see this future self, this and, you know, future that. Well, if it's always a future, you're never there. Yeah. So there's a huge piece. And again, of not understanding language, linguistics, how it really programs not only the world that we have, but the world that we're going to get. The power of words on our physiology. Mm -hmm. focus. <laughs> it's just, it, it, it's, it's so yeah. like, and it's so interesting. I, I, the couple of coaches that I, or clients that I had coached through, they are no longer, they're like, wow, I didn't realize how depressed and serious I made myself, how I, I thought I had more problems than I did. Cause you read this stuff. It's going to sound true because we're human. Yeah. We all like, if you read it into that, I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I know I'm not that, but I'm mentally strong. Mm-hmm. 
And I have coaches and therapists who I actually go to deal with. I think also it's an excuse for people to say they're doing the work because they are watching someone on Instagram or they're following someone and they're reposting the memes rather than actually going out and paying someone to deal with them one-on-one and taking agency over their lives. Yes. Yeah. There was one I read the other day that was, what was it? It was like, we're all suffering. Each and every one of us is suffering. And I was like, well, I'm not suffering. I'm not suffering. I'm really loving my life. bad for not suffering. Yeah. Well, then that's the other side of it is, and then there's, I, I see people feeling bad about it or even holding on to this idea of trauma because they think, well, if I, like in order to fit in, like it almost becomes like a, in order to fit in, to be one of the group, I have to have the trauma. Oh, and don't get me started. Oh, your need to achieve goals and do this and this is because you're so traumatized from your childhood of needing yes. acceptance. Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? Excuse my French. Oh, my need to accomplish goals is because I listen to my unconscious mind, which is one of our prime concerns, is to actually achieve goals and to continually seek more and more and more. Yeah. And the reason why people are unhappy is because they're on their couch being triggered, not leaving their house. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Like you want to like get over a problem, do it. Yeah. Don't talk about it. The more you talk about the problem, it bounds the neurological connections. It becomes real. You are not anything. You are incredible. You were more powerful beyond belief. It's time you get to know that now and stop it. And why I'm so passionate about it is because I used to buy into this stuff. I mean, I was hit by a car. I flatlined. I lost all feeling in my left side. I mean, just uh, last summer, I was hit by a drunk driver. Like, I could be like, oh my God, this happened to me. You want to know what I actually started to ask myself? Hmm, what were some of the things that I was doing that I could take responsibility? Like, I didn't need to do it all that night to go out to see the movie. I could have stayed at home because it happened. I got hit by a drunk driver at midnight. Why? I was squeezing in my schedule to go to a movie that I could have actually rescheduled. So, yes he crossed a red light and I had to look at what are some of the behaviors and the things that I was doing that even put myself in that position. Right. Granted, I live in a more radical aspect. I firmly want to take full responsibility for everything because I want to be fully at cause, meaning I can do anything that I want. Mm-hmm. I'm different. However, a lot of this, like this person triggered me or it's the patriarchy or it's all of this. Like it's not, <laughs> it's you. Yeah. Yeah. It's your willingness not to get over it, not to know how powerful you are and do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I see that also in the coaching industry. I've noticed a lot of coaches who haven't healed themselves and then they're projecting all their trauma and all their stuff onto all it's in all their messaging online. It's in the way they coach people. And then, and I've worked with some of these coaches and I see them trying to hold on to it because that's, that's their identity. And they've built their business around being this traumatized wow. person who's now going to help other traumatized people. And I think that's a dangerous game. I think that's a very Damn. You just gave me chills. Like that's their identity, right? Yeah. So and if, if, they, if they need more people being traumatized to be the leader of the trauma pack. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I went to a, a women's group recently just to check it out. And there's one woman in the group who she sat there and she went and she like sort of waved her finger across all of us. And she went, you are all full of fear. And you're all making decisions based on fear. And I was like, okay, but that's not me. So don't tell me who I am and what my experience is, because that's not me and that's not my experience. Thank you. Turn your finger around and say, 
I'm experiencing a lot of fear because that's really what it's about. And then let it go. Perception is projection. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, again, it's because these people have, you know, thousands and millions of followers and verified checks that it becomes, in my opinion, dangerous. And I think that why society pushes it is that it further validates this idea that everyone is damaged and traumatized and you should sit at home and nothing's going to work for you rather than like put down Instagram and write your goals down, schedule some stuff, accomplish it because this is every, this is it. Like I said, it's a game. The universal law is a game. And when I really started to understand it and have to honestly be realistic with myself and say, there are certain things that I didn't want to do. And there are certain things that I wasn't playing. And that's why I don't have what I don't want have. And when I started playing them, mm-hmm. taking the steps, putting in the work, like baking a cookie, following the recipe. Oh my goodness. Automatically. I got really good cookies. Yeah. And that is it in life. Like if people really think about their times that they put their mind to something, mm-hmm. but they actually did the work, they got it. But the times that they were are inspired to do it are so few and far between. Mm-hmm. But they actually sat down and said, I want this and enough. There's no one else out there except for me. I'm the one that got myself here, good, bad, right, or wrong. Don't beat yourself up. Just say we're here and where are we going to go and start building small steps to get there. Mm-hmm. Taking your like rest stops to rest a little bit. Yes. Get your good sleep validation breaks. Again, I said 90 minutes. I said set times. I have a start time with work and an end time. I don't work all day and all night, but like you've got to go out and do the work and that is the work. And it's not hard. It's not arduous. It's not terrible. It's not terrifying. It's not scary. It only is if you label it that. Yes. Yes, definitely. And I think, and you know, going back to your planner, I think that's why it's so important to be really managing your time and time blocking. And I know for, for, me, for me, time blocking has been huge because I thought before, I used to think that I was so busy all the time, so busy and working all the time. When I really started to look at how I was spending my time, it's that I was distracted a lot, doing a lot of things that didn't produce results and weren't important. And then when I got really intentional with how I spent my time, then suddenly I had all this free time. Suddenly I could sit down for dinner with my husband and have every evening free with him and not Mm -hmm. be working. Unless there's, I mean, unless there's something I want to work on or against, but I don't have to work all day long, every single day. And so then it became like, you know, a lot of people, you know, talk about self-care and I think self-care is super important if you're not getting enough of it. But when your time is balanced and you're really managing your time, then it's just a part of your life. Right. My self-care is every day. Yeah. Like my self-care tracker, it says six to seven hours of sleep. You're going to check if you're getting, you know, five to six of those a week just so that you're on your game. However, it's a part of who I am in my life. It's not also, I I think I listened to one of your pockets, it's self-care distraction. And I think again, with the commodification of where we are with everything, it is um, self-care is not a pedicure. It's not a manicure. It's not sitting to Netflix and binging. Self-care really is going to sign up for a coach, investing in yourself, going to therapy. Um, it's if you want to learn water aerobics or some sort of class or ceramics, it's actually investing in finally doing that class. Um, doing something that you always thought you were skilly, silly at. That's self-care. It's not like, again, it's okay to sit and drink wine with your girlfriends. It's the same recycled BS, you know, self-care is caring enough for yourself that you're going to change your behavior and you're going to do more. And that's all that that is. Because 
if you look at the people who are extremely successful, they do a lot of things. They're highly managed. There's a lot of self-care and they're really happy. Yep. They're very, very happy. And a lot of the behaviors and habits that I took is because I have had the good fortune to coach a lot of successful people, but, and to also be around them and to watch their behavior and to watch what they're doing. And one of the things that they do is they don't make excuses. Mm-hmm. They accept, accept things as is and they say, how are we going to fix it? So they identify a problem. They discuss it for a very small amount of time. Most people get lost in discussion. Mm-hmm. They feel like they discuss, discuss, discuss. Discussing isn't solving. And they spend most of their time on a solution and brainstorming solution. And when I started moving my world to that, identifying the problem, discussing it a little bit, like, you know, what is my involvement in this? What can I learn from this? Mm-hmm. Uh, why does this continue to show up in my life? What am I actually getting from this that I don't want to admit? Yeah. That's a big one that I like to ask myself. What is it that I'm getting from this that I want to admit? And I was like, ooh. Mm. Yep. And what am I going to do differently? And another thing that I started realizing when I started doing my 90 minutes is that a lot of the time when I was going through tasks, the, the conversation, I don't want to do this, would come into my head and I'd want to break myself up. So sitting my, and talking to myself like a child, you can do this. You can get do this. You're going to stick through this. Nope. You're not going to get up. You're not going to give up. You're not going to put this down and go walk to the refrigerator and get a glass (laughs) of water. You're going to actually get through this last paragraph. You're almost at five minutes. When that five minutes is done, you can do it. You got to actually do like be, give that yourself self-discipline. That's the key to self-mastery and no one's going to do it. There ain't no magic bullet. Mm -hmm. There is no one day when it's automatically unconscious because it will be automatically unconscious. And because this universe, this world is designed to have us on own away from, if you stop working on it every day, it'll go back. It'll go back. You have to realize that this is just a journey. It's like brushing your teeth. It's something you're going to do every day. Make it exciting and fun. Make it something that you love, realize some days you're not going to want to do it, but you're going to do it. Some days you're not going to want to do it. You're not going to do it. (laughs) That's okay. And the next day you're going to get up and do it again. Well, I feel super motivated after that. Good. I'm glad. (laughs) I don't have to do stuff now. (laughs) Or, you know, just do what you got to do. But I feel like being, I like feeling effervescent. I like feeling happy and excited. And I spent a lot of my life not having that. And right now I have it. And I think like right now in the society, it's almost, you feel ashamed for being happy. Mm-hmm. You, there's this, this trope of like, well, what's wrong with you? You must be lying to yourself if you're happy. And it's like, no, I've actually done the work. Some things that you don't know about, uh, some very intense unconscious, unconscious things. I continue to do the work. Uh, I just want people to know that this is possible, that you can do it in a small amount of time. Um, the long-term results do take consistent work. However, you can feel good. And, you know, they come to a training with you, learn the tools for themselves, uh, come to a training with you just to experience it and go and show up better at work with it, you know, Um, work with you. I think that all of those things are extremely important. Just the impact of the tools that you provide that we both provide. Um, It's, it's almost like a freedom. It's unlocking people from their chains. So it's exciting. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm curious how long, like what is the commitment when someone is working with your planner? Like, is it something that's going to take them a lot of time out of their day to set up and to work through it? Or is it something that's just 
like really manageable? It's really, really manageable. I would say about three to seven minutes. It depends on how much you want to be in it. Uh, the journaling, the journaling is just designed in such a way and the instructions where it has you um, using language that's towards the questions are prompted in such a way that when you are writing them, you are creating certain types of feelings that are future based. However, you are thinking about them in the now. And this goes out for, you know, a good part of the year. Uh, the planner, it's how much you want to be involved. If you are someone who just wants to write down your personal stuff and you only want to focus on your personal stuff and you don't want to do your work stuff in there, um, it works how much you work it. But personally, in the morning, the first thing that I do, I'll kind of give you a glimpse as to how I start my morning. This is the first thing that I do in the morning. I get up, I meditate, and um, a lot of my meditation is done guided. Um, then I practiced Kabbalah. So I scan um, a portion of the Zohar and I do a prayer called Anabakoa. And then that is when I personally start journaling. Nice. Um, I journal about what is called, how the journaling setup is called the ide ideal day journal. So you are to journal as of the evening. We all know the things that we're going to do and you write it as the day working out the way that you want it. Uh, you go over like your mantra, what your focus is of the day. And then there are certain questions like, you know, what are you grateful for? Um, when you think about the, the person that you're becoming, how do you feel? Um, other questions like you're proud of yourself when, um, and they change obviously and switch throughout that time. So I start there and I generally with my weekly monthly calendar is I'm a Sunday girl. On Sundays, I have a good idea as to like what I want to focus on that week in my business. I know from the week before where my um, where my appointments are, so I write my appointments out. Um, I kind of like look through schedule in, and then as the day goes in, I kind of just have my count appointment section open. Uh, but that's me. I'm a Sunday girl. I like to sit down on Sundays and kind of like cast out my week to know where I'm going to have an idea so I can say, should I do this? Should I do that? And am I going to move the needle where I want this week in my business? So, yeah. Oh, that sounds great. So how does someone get the planner? Because obviously I need one. <laughs> so how, how do we get them? <laughs> you go to the planner by going to theriseplanner.com and you place your order for a planner and they will be delivered. I want you to know that currently we are sold out of the green and gold planners. They come in two colors, black and gold and green and gold. However, we are in production for another round and we'll be receiving them in the next 12 to 15 days. We do have black and black and gold in stock. How, yeah, but I'm really excited, obviously. Yeah. So just go to theriseplanner.com. Um, and obviously you can follow us on Instagram at theriseplanner. Um, it won't be Instagram post every single day. I do have them managed, but as I, I'm a firm believer in the written word and tangible, and I am not a huge fan of social, social media a lot. So I don't want to have people constantly on content. Um, there's a Facebook page, the rice planner. Uh, yeah, but that's about it. Oh, that's awesome. So I will put that in the show notes as well. So there'll be a clickable cool. link. Um, oh, and then just to mention, I'm going to be doing a, um, a Ted talk. Uh, oh. TEDx Delaware and on entrepreneurship on February 15th and there will be a link and I will have that link on the rise planner site but not until after it airs so just to let you know that as well that's so exciting yeah I'm looking forward to it yeah I look forward to seeing it 
Thanks. I'll send you a link. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Awesome. And how else can people reach out to you if they want to know more about the work you do or how they can connect with you? Um, I have a website. It's CourtneySeard.com. Uh, social media, which Twitter, I'm private on Instagram because it's just not for work, but I'm on Twitter and it's at Courtney Seard. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn and they can email me at Courtney at Courtney Seard.com. Perfect. And I'll put those links as well in the show. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. This is a lot of fun and I learned a lot from you as well. So that was great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you and I appreciate your platform and your audience. So if you want to learn more about the Rise Planner and about Courtney's work, check out theriseplanner.com and courtneyseared.com. I'm going to put all of those links in the show notes below. So make sure that you check her out and get yourself a Rise Planner. I'm very excited to start using mine and I'll be sharing with you um, how it's helping me and helping me organize my life a little bit more. So thanks for joining us today. I hope you guys got a lot of value out of this episode. I know I got tons just in talking with Courtney. I learned a lot from her and I hope you guys did too. Hope you have a fantastic day.